Thank you, Jordan. Uh, spending time around Jordan, there's always a beard reference, so you got to respect the beard. Uh, good morning. I'm Caleb, if we haven't met, and we are uh, continuing in this series, My Near-Death Experiment. And uh, the, the, whole, the whole thing we've been talking about is what Jared said earlier, that proximity to death brings clarity to life, that we don't know how long we will have to live, uh, but we do know that we can make the most of the time that we have, like today and hopefully tomorrow, Right? Uh, it was interesting for me this week, as Jairus was sharing about his stuff that's been going on, uh, I was in Atlanta this week, and um, while I was in Atlanta, I got a phone call that my uncle passed away. He had a brain aneurysm, and he died. He's my, my dad's older brother, and 62, and just, just, uh, just a devastating thing for the family. And then the, ne- the very next morning, uh, I'm awoken with a phone call at 4 a.m. Eastern Time, 1 1 a.m. here, and Hillary says, listen to this, and puts it on speakerphone and and has me listening, like, helplessly to my eight-month-year-old who can't breathe, and he's just laboring, trying to get breath and crying and freaking himself out and making it worse, and so she took him to the hospital, and even in the emergency room at the hospital, they, they like pumped him with steroids and tried to make it go down, and they couldn't, they couldn't get him to, to relax, and so they were, they were concerned about it, and so they put him in an ambulance and sent him to a different hospital with better pediatric care. And once he got there, they, they sorted him out, and he's, he's been fine. He's home ever since. Uh, so those of you who follow my wife's glorious social media uh, antics, thank you for praying. Thank you for being in that with us. Uh, appreciate it. It looks like he is going to be fine. Just like an extreme form of uh, uh, croup. Is that what it's called? Um, and so, but, but, but he's good now. So thank you for, for tracking with us. But here's the thing, is that even as I'm in Atlanta at this conference and enjoying it, and it's great, you know, me and 10,000 of my best friends, and, and uh, we, you know, I, I was with a guy there who was, who was doing stuff with the program. So we're backstage and eating free food and hanging out with the people. Uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, then I get the, the phone call in the next morning, and all of a sudden the conference is no longer awesome, and I just need to be home, right? I mean, it's just clear. Uh, and, and so our hope for this near-death experiment that we're in week five of six today uh, is that you would have that kind of an awakening moment. And I know some of you have. You've shared it with me. You've done a little video out on the patio, or you've sent a note or something like that, and I appreciate it. But my hope is that for all of us in some way, shape, or form, we have that kind of perspective shift. Maybe there's something more important than the things that I've been thinking about or worrying about. Maybe there's something bigger than the problems that I think are so monumental. Maybe there's something that I need to really pay attention to that I've been ignoring because I just kind of assume that life will go on and everything will be fine and and maybe I need to reprioritize my life. So that is the hope. That is what we want for today. And today, ironically, we're talking about health. Health. And yet, at the same time, we're going to talk about it, I think, in a way that you haven't thought about it before. And so I want you to prepare for that. But as we get into it, I want to, I want to throw this one concept at you. My hope today is that you will lower the bar in some area of your life in order to elevate your standards. I hope that you will lower the bar to elevate your standards. Now, because I know that there's a few of you like type A driven types that are already mad. Like, I do not lower bars. I just put them higher and higher and higher. And I achieve, dang it. And if I set a goal, I get it. What I mean is even you have an area of your life where your bar is so high, you're doing nothing. 
Even you, all of us here, in some way, shape, or form, we have some kind of a standard. Maybe on a spiritual level, you look at me or someone on stage here, and you think that spiritually, either we should be so much further than you, or it's depressing to you, and you don't feel that kind of connection to God. Or I say things, and you're like, oh, that's just so far from where I am. I'm just not going to... I'm not just not going to do church, or I'm just not going to look at my Bible, or, or I'm just so out of shape, I'm never going to be in shape, and so I'm just, forget it, what good is it? And so you have a bar that's here, and you actually do nothing about it. So my hope today is that as we look at these different aspects of what it means to actually be healthy, that you end up lowering your bar to something attainable so that you can actually make some progress. In the movie, uh, What About Bob? Bob Wiley says, it's about baby steps, right? Baby steps out of the office, baby steps to the elevator, baby steps into the elevator. That's another way of saying the same thing, that if your dreams, if your goals, if your expectations of yourself or others are way up here, you're going to be disappointed and you're probably going to quit. So put that away for now and just take one step and then take another one. And then before you know it, you'll be at this place where you wanted to be. Last week, we talked about words creating worlds, right? Words creating worlds, that what you speak literally matters, that we're in partnership with this creative God made in his image, and we can join him in speaking things into reality. Look at this verse, Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the whole body. Kind words can actually make you more healthy, Kind words are good for your health, this proverb says. And so we're looking at health today. Look at this next verse. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Notice it says, in all respects, that health is more than just diet and exercise. Health is more than just physical fitness, or the lack of sickness, health in all respects is what God wants for you. Now it says, so that you may prosper as your soul prospers. And I already know that you care about your soul prospering because you're here and you realize that there's something spiritual in this world. And so maybe I should pay attention to that. And so you're here. But there's also these different aspects of health that we're going to take a look at this morning because God cares about your health. And I'm going to point you to a verse that we, that we looked at in week two. It's a verse that most of you are probably familiar with. And when we look at it, we, turn, we tend to look at it through one lens. And I'm going to do that thing in the eye doctor place where they go A or B, A or B, A, you know. And you kind of zero in on, and have us look at this in a different kind of way today. Mark 12, 30, it says, Love the Lord your God. This is Jesus talking when he was asked, what's the most important thing in the world? Like, what's the mo- what, Summarize the Bible for me. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So as you've done, as we've done rightly, as we look at that passage, we look at that verse, and we think, okay, the main thing is love. God wants us to love him with all that we are, and that's right. But don't miss that he's also giving you a glimpse of how he has made you. He's made you in four parts, body, mind, heart, and soul, or spirit. And his desire is that you love him in all parts, that you care for all parts of yourself, that you 
Honor him with all that he has made you to be, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Health is not just the lack of sickness or exercise or things like that. Health is the right, correct integration of all of who God has made you to be. And that expression of kind of response and love back toward him, making the most of what he has given you. So it starts with the physical body. Look at this verse, Ecclesiastes 11. It says, young people, it's wonderful to be young, isn't it? Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. That's like my near-death experiment type language, right? Make the most of the time that you have. Maximize your life. Have fun. Do your thing. Be great. You know, don't, don't waste your time. Make the most of the time you have. Take it all in. But remember this, that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. In the end, you're going to give an account to God who gave you everything that you have and gave you the, the life that you have. So verse 10 so refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Interesting way to finish that verse, isn't it? So he says, because you know, m- most of us, when we think about making the most of the time that we have or, or, or maximizing and having fun and taking every minute and do everything that we want to do, what, what can, that can lead some of us to do is reckless behavior. Some people with that mentality, they go down this path of recklessness and they don't take care of their body well and they drink too much and they do too much And they don't pay attention to the other side of this tension, which is be healthy. That the way you actually make the most of what God's given you is by caring for what God has given you. He has an interest in you making the most of this life, living life to the full, having fun, doing your thing, enjoying being young, enjoying being healthy, enjoying the vitality that's in your body as you protect and maintain and prosper in your health. Why does that matter? Look at this next verse in 1 Corinthians. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So in this verse, he's literally talking about sexual immorality here. He's kind of addressing sexual immorality in the lives of some people that he's writing to. And he's saying, look, 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 look. If you have entered into this relationship with God, he puts his spirit in you. So he wants you, like we just read, to make the most of the time you have to to maximize your life and treat yourself well. Treat your body well. Don't be careless sexually or impurity in any ways. Be careful about what you put into your body. Careful how you eat. Take care of yourself with exercise. Don't run around doing dumb stuff that's just going to deteriorate and kind of be toxic to your body. Think about it, especially with, with sexual stuff, right? You, if you are, are going to go down an unhealthy path sexually, it's all connected. You have already quieted the spirit, numbed your emotions, put crap in your mind, and then it's probably even going to have an adverse effect on you physically. You might end up with a disease or with whatever, physically, too. But even in kind of the unhealth of, kind of, tr- of treating our sexuality with, dis- with disrespect or, or just kind of like it doesn't matter, we have to, we, in order to get there, we already have to quiet the spirit that's convicting us, numb the emotions that pretend that this is real love or something, 
and put all kinds of thoughts, probably like growing up with pornography or whatever, in our minds to get there. All these things are connected. All these things are working together either for health or for unhealth. Now, throughout history, people have kind of wrestled with what's physical, what's spiritual, how that whole thing works and relates. And there's a couple of different places that you might find yourself. Some people think that nothing is spiritual. Nothing spiritual. It's all physical. I just, what I see, I can acquire, I can build. And so they obsess about their bodies and they just want to make, they just want to maximize the physical because that's what really matters, right? And so they, they live for money and progress and whatever's tangible that they can touch because they can, if they can see it, they can trust that. And they don't pay attention to the spiritual side of things because it's confusing, or maybe because it's been broken or manipulated by someone else in their past, and they just think, ah, I, don't, I, I don't even know about that, so I'm just going to control what I can control, right? Then there's other kinds of people that think that some things are spiritual. And these are the kind of people that they show up on Sunday to do their physical or to, to do their spiritual chore, right? So I do, I do my spiritual thing by showing up at church on Sunday. Check. Now the rest of the week, I just do what I want, what I see, what I know. And then there's a last group of people where everything is spiritual. Now, under the category of everything is spiritual, that can play out in two ways. Either one, you think everything is spiritual, so physical doesn't matter, and then you just treat your body poorly, right? Because if everything is spiritual and I'm going you know, to go to heaven one day, it's my spirit that lives forever, that's all that really matters, and so they don't even take care of their body at all, these kinds of people. They eat whatever they want, they don't exercise, they, they're, they're kind of a disregard for their own physical health because it's spiritual, right? Heaven is coming later, and, and that's, that's what really matters. And then there's a type of person that everything is spiritual, but they understand that everything is also connected. And that their spiritual health is connected to their emotional health. It's connected, connected to their mental health. And it manifests itself in physical ways. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. So health matters. It matters in your physical body. It also matters in your mind. Look at this next verse in Romans 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, think about things that please God's Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, if you didn't grow up going to church, or this doesn't really make a lot of sense to you, it's uh, simply, let me just say this. We were born with a tendency toward unhealth. We were born with a tendency toward brokenness. We were born into this world, and it's a dark world. You don't have to look very far. Huffington Post, news, people that, that die and suffer around you to know that there is darkness in this world. It's a broken world. And so we were born with this natural inclination towards selfishness and rebellion against God. But when your eyes kind of get open and your spirit gets kind of aware, and it happened for all of us, and you know, most of us at different times and different ways, and for some of you it's still going to happen, your spirit kind of opens up to the reality that God created you and has a plan for you and a purpose for you. Well, there's something that it kind of awakens inside of you, and he puts his spirit in you, as we've already read, and this new life starts to generate. And so now you have this like dual thing here where you have this tendency toward doing things that are unhealthy and yet this new life that God's trying to produce in you and those things are kind of at, at war going back and forth. And so what he's saying is if you just indulge the sinful thing, the selfish thing, the, the way of destruction and unhealth, then your mind is going to do that. Your mind will be dominated by those kind of thoughts. But if you surrender to God's spirit, he will, 
He will create and, and focus your mind on things that are honoring to him. It will recreate you in terms of your mind. So one way that you can look at your life and you can see, is my health on the rise or on the decline? You can judge that by what dominates your thoughts. What dominates your thoughts? Is it things, are you trying to think of just how much you can get away with without the consequences being too high? Are you trying to look for ways that you can just kind of like shortcut the system? Or are, are, you, are, you, are you thinking of, way, of things that you know are not healthy? Or are you continually trying to bring your mind back to things that are good for you? Because here's the reality. What festers in your mind manifests in your actions. What festers in your mind will manifest in your actions. And you will create the kind of life that your mind creates first. Now, some of you might be here and be like, man, okay, but my mind is already in a dark place. If it was like on video and you could see what was going on in my head on the screen, that would be a scary thing. And I don't know how to change that. Maybe you grew up in a certain way and you were exposed to a lot of ugly things growing up and now they're just kind of in your head and you can't get rid of them. Maybe like we talked about last week, you have tapes that play in your mind, like a broken record, like things that just reinforce ugly stuff in your mind. There's good news. Your mind can be changed. Your mind can be renewed. Look at this, look at this uh, next verse, Romans 2, 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's a shift that happens from conforming and just letting your mind go along with the things that are in this world. There's a shift from conforming to thoughts and patterns that are around you that lead to, to no good or just self-indulgence and selfishness. There's a shift once you realize that that's not the pattern, the road that you want to be on. You can shift. And it starts in the mind of letting go of those kinds of thoughts and patterns and allowing God to renew your mind, transform you by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you're like me at different times in my life, I have prayed that verse. God, transform me by the renewing of my mind. I've got so much garbage in my head. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to judge that way. I don't want that kind of impurity. I don't want that in my head. God, you know, transform me by the renewing of my mind. And then I go out in the very same day or the next day, I put the same crap back in. If we want our minds renewed, we must participate with him in bringing health to our minds. Look at this next verse, Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. In other words, I've said some good stuff you should pay attention to. Now, here's this one more thing. And then I'm going to drop the mic and I'm going to walk off. This is what I want you, I want to leave you with this. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. If you want to know how to participate with God in the renewing of your mind, it starts with fixing your thoughts. Focus your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on things that are good, healthy, helpful, positive. Now, uh, I just, when I was in Atlanta, I looked on my phone and was checking the bank statement and I saw that Hillary had been shopping and I saw 
on the, um, I saw on the thing, you know, the little deal there, that there was at the top an Ikea purchase. And um, when I see Ikea on the bank statement, a couple of things happen for me. Uh, one, I go, dang it, we bought cheap stuff. And then two, I go, dang it, I'm going to have to put together some cheap stuff. <laughs> and, then, and then three, I have like this little moment of celebration because thank God at least I didn't have to go into this hellish labyrinth of death, you know? <laughs> so it kind of goes both ways there. I come home and I see, I see that Hillary has bought uh, picture frames. I see that these picture frames are now on the wall. And to get them on the wall, she had to fix them to the wall. To fix them to the wall, she took a nail and a hammer. And she made good and sure that those picture frames were fixed to the wall so that they didn't fall, right? When you fix something to something else, you're using some kind of, some kind of sticky thing, whether it's a nail or a screw or glue, or something like that, because you want, you're committed to these things staying together. You are fixing something to something else. When you fix your mind on these thoughts, you are figuring out habits in different ways that you can keep your mind trained to what you want it to be trained to, that you can keep your mind connected to what you want it to be connected to. And when it strays away, you bring it back and you fix it again. And you focus again. You say, this is what I want you to think about mind. This is what I want you to focus on. This is where I want your attention. Because you're going to have a tendency to go this way, and I want you fixed right here. The best habit that I developed, I've I've told you this before, but when Hillary's mom got pancreatic cancer and passed away, the very next morning I woke up and I started a new habit. I was so blown away by seeing that, by being a part of that, going through that tragedy and seeing how Hillary cared for her mom so well and seeing how the family rallied so beautifully. And I was just so grateful to be alive. I woke up the next morning and every day of that next year, I wrote down with like an actual pen and paper in a journal what I was thankful for because I knew that I have a tendency to be ungrateful. I have a tendency to be self-focused. I have a tendency to think that I should be further along or I should have better things or whatever else. And I wanted to fix my mind every morning on gratitude, that I am grateful for my wife, that I am grateful for the life that I have, that I am grateful that we have a kid now. I'm grateful for everything that God blesses us with. Because if we don't fix our minds on what is pure and good and right and true, they will stray and go elsewhere. We have that tendency, that pull. So do you need to lower the bar to raise your standard in some way, in some small kind of habitual way with respect to your health, whether physically or mentally? Do you need to set a little goal and put something in place to help you participate with God in the renewing of your mind, fixing your mind on things that are good and healthy and helpful? What would that look like? Maybe it's writing down things that you're thankful for. Maybe it's keeping verses on a note card or something like that in your pockets or in your car above the little sun visor thing so you don't get pulled over because the cop thinks you're texting and driving. You know, keep, keep them somewhere where you can see them on your mirror in the bathroom. Maybe you set up a reminder in your, in your phone so that it pops up all the time and it just reminds you of something that's true. It's just a verse. It's just a quote. It's just something that reminds you of what's true. Maybe, maybe you take the outline from today and you just focus your mind on one verse or one idea all throughout the week and fix your mind 
on that thing. Health is physical. Health is mental. Those things matter. Health is also emotional. So let's talk about the heart just really quickly. I'm just going to share one verse with you because I don't want to jump into the spiritual and we'll wrap it up with that. But I want you to see this one verse. Proverbs 17.22 says this, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. Now, why would God put that verse in scripture unless you could choose your disposition? Now, I know a lot of people that think that they're, they have like a personality disorder or curse or so many things have happened to them that they just are the way they are and have the attitude and the outlook that they have and they can't change it. And it's not true. You can choose your emotions. You don't have to be a victim of your emotion. Emotion doesn't have to run your life. You can choose to be here, to be here, to be here, to be here. You can choose to hang on to bitterness and resentment. You can choose the pessimist or you can choose to be hopeful. If you don't believe that, look at some practical examples around you in your life. I have, I have an eight-month-old Jack, and Jack, he can choose in a moment when he's hungry and when he's with me to be ticked, and he does. And if he's hungry, his face will turn red, and he'll start to cry, and he'll just yell, and he'll squirm out of my arms. And the moment that I get him into Hillary's hands, because she has body parts that I don't have, he will instantaneously stop crying and just get himself some food, Right? All of a sudden, immediately from sad and angry to happy, just like that. Or 9-11, 2001, I remember going into the workplace and seeing friends who didn't know what had happened in New, in New York. They didn't know, and they were sitting at their cubicles, and they were fighting. They were ticked. They were about to go to blows because someone stole one person's lead or something like that. And they were, they were so angry, and it was just all this stuff piling up, and they were like, I hate you, and you, you're such a backstabbing person. And they're just ready to fight. And then someone yells from over here and says, hey, you guys, come in here. We go in the office, and there's a big screen TV, and they see the image of the towers with smoke coming out of them before they had collapsed. And after a couple of minutes of observing that, I looked over, and I see these two people who were just about to fight, and now they're hugging. One of them had friends in New York, and he was trying to call or text and see if he could get a response, and he hadn't yet. And the other one was just giving him a hug and praying and hoping and saying he's so sorry. You can choose. Something about having that broadened perspective, something about proximity to death and seeing with clarity what really matters in life, caused them to choose in that moment, and they changed their emotions. Some of you have been living like victims of your emotions, and your emotions just run your life, and you think it's just about your personality or the things that you've been through. It's not. You're choosing that. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. The opposite is terrible for your health, and it's no fun to be around. Don't let your emotions run your life. You can choose emotional health. And then the last thing is spirit. Proverbs 18, 14 says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Some of you wouldn't know what it's like to have actual physical limitations. That there's, some, there's things in your body that maybe just don't work right. Maybe you feel like you're a, dealt a bad hand. 
when it comes to the physical body because of genetics or something that happened or whatever else. We can persevere and still be healthy in every other way than our bodies. But who, who can survive a crushed spirit? It's the spirit that brings to life everything else. It's the spirit on the inside that, that brings everything else to the forefront and connects everything together. Who can, who can endure a crushed spirit? You have an enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy's work is to crush your spirit, is to prevent you from connecting your spirit to connect with its creator. That's his ultimate work. That's what brings ultimate unhealth. Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. God made you with a soul that can only be satisfied in connection with him. God made you with a soul that's thirsty. And some of you know, you know what it feels like. You know, what, you know that kind of that vacuum on the inside that feels like it, there's, life might be good, but it's just not quite fulfilled, and you wonder why. The connection to your God is missing, or it's clogged and unhealthy. I, I'm not a big runner, um, but I did get talked into doing a half marathon one time against my better judgment, and I hadn't, up to that point, was that 13.1 miles? Up, up until that point, the longest I had ever run was five miles. And so I decided I should probably train at least a little bit. And so I ran a little bit. The furthest I ever got was six miles, and then it was game time, and I had to just show up and do it. And, and so I thought, okay, I didn't train very much, but at least I should talk to someone who runs and, and, uh, and learn, you know, maybe they can help. Maybe there's like a cheat sheet for surviving a half marathon. And so they told me, yeah, you should have trained more, uh, but also here... Here's, a, here's another tip. They said, never miss a water station. Never miss a water station. And then these words that haunt me and ring in my ears, because they said, if you get thirsty, it's already too late. And so I ended up like starting off like an athlete, like running, and then getting slower and slower and slower the rest of the race until I walked about the last four miles. But you know, nine miles was already more than I'd ever run, so I was proud of that. But it's one thing I did not do. I did not miss a hydration station, you know. I took that water. I took that Gatorade. I put that goo on my mouth. I, I did the thing, and I made sure at least I'm going to get that right. Friends, never miss a spiritual hydration station. Don't miss. Don't miss on hydrating yourself spiritually. It's never too late in the sense that God doesn't forgive you if you're disconnected for a long time or whatever else. He always forgives you. You can always come back. But it will be really, really costly. Don't wait until you need an IV. Don't, don't just come to church when the stuff hits the fan. Don't just look at your Bible when you're just desperate and can't do anything else. Hydrate along the way. Stay connected Stay healthy. It's your spirit that brings life to everything else. Here's a couple of simple ways you can stay hydrated spiritually. Psalm 19.7 says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. His truth, his word will revive your soul. You don't have to just receive his word from me on Sundays. You can read it too. You can put verses kind of in front of you during the week. You can meditate on things, whether from the outline or from your own study. 
Keep his word in your mind. It revives your soul. And then two, 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. You want to put good in and you want to get bad out. So confess your sins. Be honest. Come to him and say, you know what? I've, I've let this kind of crap get into my head or into my heart. I've been run by my emotions. I just want to confess that, God, and restore this connection with you. I want your truth to revive my spirit, and I want to stay connected to your spirit all the time. Instruction and confession bring cleansing and wholeness. Now, I wanted to let you hear from a friend of ours. Uh, her name is Sarah, and she has gone through her own journey in these last few months that I thought would be really interesting for you to hear. Would you please welcome Sarah? I don't get to get, get here very often, so I'm usually earlier. You guys should be all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> A little bit about me. I'm 55. been on the earth for 55 years, but truly, I have never felt more alive now ever than ever before. I was married for 28 years, and I have two awesome adult children. We were a church-going family. My kids went to religious schools. I went to church every week, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. Just like Caleb said before, church was a task. I checked that box off to set a good example for my kids, but I just went because I had to. Life was okay. I had the big house in the harbor. I got to travel. I only worked when I wanted to. Um, there were some problems in the marriage over a long period of time. We all have our ups and downs. Did some counseling, but, you know, we really didn't talk about things. I was angry a lot in the relationship, though. My big clue came when I came home one day, and my husband was packed up and leaving. Divorce is like a death, you really sometimes have to hit bottom to be reborn. I'm a nurse, so I know what the physical and emotional toll it took on me. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't concentrate. I knew that I was struggling with situational depression. I was lucky, though. I went to a counselor, who was, and I didn't know this, but I found out she was a Christian counselor, and she really suggested that I get in touch with my spiritual side and go back to church. I had visited the Big Mariners at one point, and I go to the library a lot because I love to read. So I saw the sign up for the Huntington Beach Mariners, and I thought, heck, I'll check it out. So I started out way up in the back visiting, and Caleb really spoke to me. I mean, I really, he got my attention, and I felt like he was really talking to me directly. So each week, I kind of gradually moved myself up and, and got a little closer. I knew that I needed to be more involved and to really get connected. So I signed up for Rooted. Rooted was a life-changing experience for me. I now have a family in Rooted. I see some of my family out here. Woohoo! Um, and it was an awesome experience. I got to be in a safe environment, learn about myself, and share. It was truly the first time in my life that I had ever really let myself be vulnerable and communicate openly. I did this like I'd never done in my marriage for 28 years. In the process, I learned that I will never be alone because I have God in my life. I don't worry like I used to because I know God will help me in all aspects of my life. Through my rooted family, um, I learned that I was carrying a heavy burden. 
and with my anger. And they, they noticed it. They said, we could see you physically carrying that heavy burden. I realized that the anger was affecting my kids and myself. And in the Rooted pro program and process, we learned and we discussed what had a stronghold on us and what truth we needed to, to learn about to set our, ourselves free. I knew that I needed to forgive my ex to be able to walk closer to Jesus. Now, my ex and I didn't communicate at all. They only, only through the kids would do their own thing and we had no communication. I decided to send him a note in, through email and I wish him the best in life and happiness. And this is my way of forgiving him. Immediately when I hit that send button, I felt a physical weight lift off my shoulders. I've never experienced anything like that before, but physically I could feel that weight lift. And that feeling remains to this day. I know that um, I am doing so much better. I'm not carrying the burden of anxiety, depression, loneliness, or anger anymore. I no longer get headaches. I used to get headaches all the time. I got migraines three to four times a month. This is all stress-related. My blood pressure has come down. And I feel physically much lighter. So I know that it's really helped me a lot. After completing um, the Rooted experience, I know I wanted to continue with the transformation, so I was baptized as well. I can tell you honestly that I have never felt happier in my life. My kids say that I'm more relaxed, easygoing, patient, open to others' opinions. You know, kids want to give you their opinions. And I share myself more easily. My rooted family has said that my attitude is much more optimistic. I'm trusting in God's control. When I talk about divorce now, it's coming from a place of peace and confidence. So you guys may see me dancing when I'm greeting you, especially if you come to the first service or even during the service here. But I want you to know that I dance all the time in my life. I'm dancing at my job. I'm dancing at home and sometimes even the grocery store. I'm truly blessed and I know it. Please say hi to me. I'd love to meet you and thank you for listening. I got to know Sarah before Rooted. I got to know her when she first started to come here. And I can tell you, I have seen her change dramatically. And she wore it physically, the pain, the depression, the resentment, the anger. And she is a life transformed. And it's so satisfying and exciting to see and be a part of that with people. And here's the thing. I don't want you to miss it. That your health is not just about how much you exercise. It's not just about the food that you eat, those of you who are disciplined with your food. Your health is about your wholeness. And some of you have real pain in your life that is compromising your overall health because you will not deal with the spiritual issue or the emotional issue. And you're hanging on to something and carrying something because of the pain, because of maybe the resentment toward a person or towards God. And it's keeping you unhealthy. There might be something that you need to let go of today or a relationship with God that you need to enter into or a painful relationship from the past that you just need to forgive and be, be done with that bitterness and resentment. Last verse, Romans 12, 1, it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you 
to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind of life he will find, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. What we do up here in a few minutes with, with the singing and the responding to God in that way, that's worship, but it's just a sliver of worship. Worship is a whole life expression of gratitude to God. It, uh, it's a lifestyle of loving him physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, spiritually energizing the rest. And some of you need to get healthy. Some of you might be crazy fit and you need to get healthy today. And so hopefully for your near-death experiment, you can have a new perspective, a new outlook on what it means to be truly healthy, to be connected to God, to be a living sacrifice, living in a worshipful way towards him. So on the back of your outline, I've given you a couple of simple things that you can do. This week, we wanted to provide some very practical aspects of this. So in a, in a physical sense, if you need to take, if you need to lower the bar to raise your standard and you just need a simple baby step, next step, you can come on Tuesday morning at 930 there's, young, there's moms who walk their kids in Central Park. They meet right out here in the patio every Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. and they walk and let the kids play and they do the thing. Well, this Tuesday, it's open to anybody. So if you just need to come and walk, and that's a simple next step, you just come and walk. Meet here at 9.30. They'll walk around the park. That's great. Uh, if you prefer, there's guys who play basketball on Thursday night. I think it's at 7.30 at the park at the, uh, at the high school. And you can just talk to somebody outside and get, a, get signed up with that. Make sure that you know where that is and what time it is and, and jump in there and play some basketball. And right here in this moment, there are some of you that are still carrying bitterness and resentment or fear or pain from the past and it's preventing you from connecting with your creator. It's preventing you from moving on in a relationship. And you're carrying it around like an actual physical burden. And today, I hope you just let it go. Today, I hope that, that God can bring health and healing to your heart, to your soul. And so I want to give you a minute right now to just talk to God about that, to pray, to, to release, to let go, to invite him to do what he wants to do in you. God, I just pray that you would speak to us, that you would illuminate, kind of put your, put your spotlight on that area of our life that we have left unsurrendered to you. What is it that, that we're tolerating in our life that is preventing us from being healthy, that's preventing us from being whole? We just want to surrender that to you this morning, God. Maybe if it's, if, it's, if it's just surrendering to you for the first time, we want to do that. We want to let you make of our lives what you designed us to be. We want to enter into that relationship with you. God, if it's renewing our minds, would you renew our minds? Would you help us this week to focus on things that are true and praiseworthy and good and beautiful and right? If it's a next step physically, God, give us, empower us to go and respond and, and make a new habit. We want to honor you with our whole selves, our whole lives. In Jesus' name.